Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. Um, pray for me. Um, I am, we've, as many of you guys know, because some of you guys have been praying with me about moving, um, I've been under the weather <clears throat> as of late. I, I was doing good until last night about 2 a.m., I was like, I'm feeling good enough to preach tomorrow, and tomorrow came, and I don't know. Um, and so, I'll uh, I'll attempt to share and not. Uh, my slide, I'm looking back here. My slides are up there, aren't they? Amen. I'm slow. Um. So let's pray because I'm scatterbrained this morning and then we'll get into the word. Father, we're just grateful for our congregation. We're grateful for hearing our lungs this morning. Many of us got here this morning on our own accord, Father. We're grateful that we have an opportunity to congregate and assemble, Lord, under, um, <clears throat> under the same roof without fear of uh, retribution for us being Christians. And so, Father, I just pray that this morning, Lord, as I decrease, that you might increase in this place, O oh God. That you will speak clearly to our hearts. You will touch our understanding. That you will give us the courage to, Lord, hear your word, respond to your word. And ultimately, Lord God, bring you glory. We're not worthy, Lord, but we count your blessings and we're grateful for them. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Has anybody ever heard the expression, time flies? Any parents in the room, you look at your children and you're like, man, where does the time go? Um, you get 24 hours every day, and it doesn't slow down. Moment by moment, we're moving toward our final fate. And I know it sounds a little dark this morning, but moment by moment, we're moving toward our final fate. We're going to eventually, everybody in this room, you're going to eventually go and meet Jesus face to face. And when we have that moment, when we see Jesus, when we engage him, we'll know that we lived our lives or we submitted our lives to him and we'll be able to be in God's presence forever or we squandered our lives and we didn't submit our heart and our lives to Jesus' lordship and we'll go and we'll spend an eternal destination and punishment and separate it from him. And so, not trying to be dark this morning, but time waits for no man. My father-in-law, whose past was, you know, a physician, and he was kind of straight to the point, straight, straight shooter. He would always say, we're all born dying. He wasn't a devout believer, so he didn't finish it with 
a biblical perspective, which would be, but what's done for God will remain. What's done for God will remain. And so this morning, we're going to talk about that expression, time flies. We're going to talk about where does the time go? And what we should be doing with our days based upon the time that we have. My board and my slides are kind of, so my walking's helping me this morning. Um, what are we supposed to be doing with our time? <clears throat> Many of you may not know this, but there's only a certain amount of hours in a year, 8,760 hours in a year. That's 730 hours a month. And yet we sleep 2,555 hours if you sleep seven hours a night. You sleep 2,555 hours a year. About a third of our time is spent sleeping. Some of y'all sleep more than seven hours, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to give you an average of seven hours. And so that would mean that if we were to go to sleep on January 1st, and if we were to take all the time that we were sleeping and we were to lump it all together, we wouldn't wake up to May. I mean, mid-March or maybe April. We wouldn't wake up. So half of, I mean, a third of our year is just gone with something that we have to do. One thing they used to tell me back in the day is two things you can't beat. You can't beat the streets and you can't beat sleep. Everybody has to go and meet Freddy Krueger sometime. You got to sleep. And so this is something that we just can't get. So we, we can't navigate or negotiate our time around sleep. Also, when it comes to working, how many people in the room got a job? Got a job. Amen. Got a J-O-B. That's good. Blessings. We navigate our lives and we spend about 2,000 hours a year working. That's five days a week with two weeks vacation a year. And so that's about another 2.7 months of our lives is spent on a job. And some of us don't like our jobs, and so we know every bit of those, those hours. You count, you count those hours. And so that leaves us with 4,205 hours every year. That's not so bad, but there's other things that we have to do. There's other things that we have to do. What do my slides say up there? Is this 4,200? Okay. I don't trust y'all. That's my slide. Now we should be on this slide. That's the way it works. Now we're cooking with you. And so, what are some other things that we have to do in our lives? On average, we got to eat, Right? You know, you spend one hour and eight minutes a day eating. Some of y'all are like, I spend a little bit more time than that, but I'm being genuine. I'm being generous. We spend 401 hours a year eating and another 182 hours a year prepping and cleaning up. Some of, you, some of the wives will say, my husband never cleans up. I don't know. He don't, get, he don't get no credit for that. That's about 34 minutes a day we spend prepping and cleaning up the food and another hour and eight minutes eating the food. You can't go without eating, right? And so our, our year is starting to really get 
suspect. Here we got 3,622 hours left. How many of y'all like taking baths and stuff? Brushing your teeth. Thank you, Trey. I appreciate you. Combing your hair. Ironing your clothes. I don't iron my clothes no more. I used to iron my clothes before I had kids. I don't even iron my clothes no more. I just put them on. Just put them on. The wrinkles will fall out. Right? And so we spend about 273 hours a year just getting dressed and doing those basic things. And so our time just continues to diminish. Some of y'all take a little longer to get dressed. Husbands say amen. So between eating and grooming and preparing food, we don't spend another month out of our year. So we're about halfway through the year now, and we ain't did nothing but eat, sleep, go to work. Well, some of us have to get to work, right? We have to spend that drive time. And so on average, we'll spend about two hours a week running errands. And parents, this is being generous again. You know you probably spend more than two hours a week. Picking up kids, going to get the laundry, uh, 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 the dry cleaning, going in to Best Buy. I don't know where you go when you, when you got stuff. Uh, picking up the kids from soccer games, uh, uh, going to the grocery store. We spend about, and I'm being generous, we spend about 104 hours a year in the car. And commuting, how many people have less than a 30-minute commute? Nice. The average person has a 30-minute commute one way. And so we spend about an hour a day in the car getting to and from work. And so now we're down to three hours, 3,000 hours a year. And here comes the pincher. Because after all that sleeping, after all that eating, and all that working, we need some me time. Right? The church said amen. These statistics, listen, I'm being generous. I'm being generous this morning. The average person spends about two hours a day on the Internet and on TV. And some of y'all said, Puh, I can do that before I go to work. The average person spends about two hours a day on the internet and on TV. That's about 730 hours a year. Wow. Netflix binge watching takes all our time. There's also the other leisure time that y'all love doing this. Y'all love coming to church, right? We spend about two hours a week at church, maybe give or take. Some of y'all say sometimes you preach a little long. I don't know. About two hours. That's about 104 hours a year at church. But before you pat yourself on the back for being at church so long, you spend three hours and eight minutes a week on the toilet. <laughs> Where I get the information? It's about Average person goes to the bathroom about seven times a day, a couple minutes a trip, like 27 minutes a, a trip to the bath. I mean, all, uh, uh, 27 minutes a day, average is about, you know, you spend more time on the toilet than at church. It's okay. Because you got to do something with all that food that you're eating, right? And so we have 1991 hours left in a year. We have about 2.7 months. That's 83 days left in the year to do anything other than the stuff that we just talked about doing. Man, why are you talking about this this morning, preacher? Because we're going to be in Psalm 90 this morning. And we're going to learn a little bit about from this guy named Moses. 
Well, most people attribute this psalm to Moses. There are some people who disagree, but I'm going to disagree with the people who disagree because I just feel like being disagreeable. And I wrote my sermon based on this this morning, so it's Moses, okay? And I got to ask this question. If you didn't have to work, if some miracle you didn't have to eat, if something happened and you could be self-sufficient and you could uh, 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 self-sustaining and you didn't have to go to a job and you didn't have to work, what would you do with that extra time? And what you answer that question, what you answer about that question says a lot about you. What would you do with that spare time? And so Moses lived 120 years, according to the scripture. That's a long time to be living. And so Moses can probably tell us a thing or two about life. He can probably tell us a thing or two about being led by God. But most of all, I think Moses can tell us quite a few things about seeing God at work. And so now scholars, they, 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 they're divergent of I, I, uh, thoughts that say when Moses actually wrote Psalm 90. Some said it happened right after the Exodus. Some said that it happened uh, 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 when they were in exile. And we don't really know like, 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 like when it was, but we do know that God was leading Moses to lead his people. And so Moses knows some things about leading people. Moses knows some things about being led by God. And Moses knows some things about seeing God at work, seeing God's hand move. And so he sat and he coined, or he penned Psalm 90, a prayer. Chuck Swindoll famously says that Moses' life was divided up into three sections of 40 years. The first 40 years, Moses spent being a somebody. Moses was a prince of Egypt. Moses had got the word from God. Moses had heard that God said, through you, I'm going to deliver my people. And so Moses went out there. And Moses tried to do some things on his own and ended up killing a man. And this man ended up killing him. And Moses tried to conceal him. And he found out that he was found out. And so then Moses fled for his life. And so the second 40 years of his life, the first 40 years he, bent, he spent thinking he was somebody. The second 40 years he spent running from his past and feeling like a nobody. Because you got to understand that Moses, Moses was a prince of Egypt and Egyptians despised shepherds. And Moses ended up on the backside of a desert being a shepherd. Talk about uh, a contrast in your life. You end up being that very thing that you despise. Or that the culture around you despised. And so I'm sure Moses had some identity issues in the second 40 years of his life. And in the last 40 years of his life, Moses got a call from God. God appeared to Moses in a burning bush, and God began to speak to Moses. And Moses, Moses was like, God, I can't do it. I, 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 my tongue don't work right. And God essentially said, who gave you your tongue? Go and do what I've called you to do. And Moses, I really can't do it. Then Moses, God, God finally said, listen. You go, and I'm going to get your brother to talk for you. You're not going to make excuses. This is what you call to do. And so Moses went, and he spent the last 40 years of his life figuring out that God can use a nobody. 
The Bible teaches us that Moses died the most humble man on the planet. This ain't going to work. Need my screen? I'm fine. Psalm 90. I'm going to read it with y'all. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world. For everlasting, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight of but as yesterday when it is past or as watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long have pity on your servants? Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad as for many days as you have afflicted us and for as many days, as many years, sorry, as you have, that we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to your children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And so this is Moses. I want to really pivot on what Moses said in uh, Psalm 90, verse 12. He said to teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. SJ, can you bring me my Bible out of uh, my backpack back there? I'm sorry. Technological advancements is just not working for me this morning, so I have to turn around and look at this. I need a Bible. Thank you. <clears throat> teach me to number my days. Why are our days important? Why does God want us to have our days numbered? Why does God need us to understand the seriousness of the time that we have here? We just told you that you only have about 83 days. That was conservative. You only have about 83 days span of time every year to do what you're supposed to be doing. Moses said that most of our lives are about 70 years. About 70 years. And by reason of strength, maybe 80. The Bible teaches us that our life is like a vapor. You go outside on a cold day. You go outside on a cold day and you, and you see your little breath do like that. And it's gone. That really is what our lives are like in the scheme of things, in the span of things. And yet God still wants to use us as, 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 as a piece of his story. And so we need to be about our father's business. 
We need to really be about our father's business. Older people in the room don't say amen too loud. But like when your life is in the river, I don't even remember a lot of stuff. I got my, like we'll get together at family functions and stuff like that. My brother, you remember when you and you remember and I'm like, uh, no, no, don't recall. We go through our lives living just insignificantly. Right? Like that next Netflix episode, I got to watch it right now because I can't wait. I got to get closure on this. I got to figure out what's happening next. And I'm guilty of this, that video game. I got to get to that next level. I'll cut it off once I get to the next level. And these games, they're designed to suck you in. And you're playing the game on your phone, and you get, you're just crushing your candy. And I love to can- crush the candy and get the candy all in a place. And if you like the candy crusher, I'm not saying that you don't candy crush, but I'm saying do it in moderation. And so you candy crush it, and then you get to, you run out of lives, and then it says if you want some more lives, it's $1.99. It's only $1.99. And then you, you know, and then before you know, you'll spend $10 crushing candy. And God is telling us, learn how to number your days. Because the reality of it is, when we go to the doctor and we get that bad report, we start really thinking about time. But when times is good, eh, I can make it. I'll do it tomorrow. God, I'll talk to you on Sunday, God. I'll get to you by Sunday, God. Definitely get to you by Sunday. And like I said before, you spend more time on the toilet than you do with God. And so what did Moses see? What did Moses understand after 120 years? I think that Psalm 90 can be broken into three distinct categories. And we're going to talk about those and we're going to go home because my throat's starting to hurt. I saw one of Brother Stan's hauls this morning. And I got to pay you back. I got a couple more. I found some in the back. Stan's haul had been in his pocket for like 10 years. It was old. (laughs) It didn't work. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. So what is Moses speaking to us this morning from the song? What does God want us to take away? What does God want us to know based upon Moses saying he needed to learn to number his days? Well, first of all, first and foremost, I say I think the first part of Psalm, Moses wanted us to recognize the supremacy of God. He wanted us to recognize the supremacy of God. Of God. Listen to his language. He's just like, God, like, you everything. Like, God, you, you're awesome. Excuse me. My gag reflex is really good this morning, so it's like, stop walking the aisles then. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Like, God, when we, even when we weren't paying attention to you, God, even when we weren't walking after you, God, even when we were way back in Egypt, you were still our dwelling place. God, even when Pharaoh's thumb was on our neck, you were God. And so Moses had to come to a place where he recognized that God is supreme. How many of us wake up in the morning to the understanding that God is supreme and he is preeminent that moment. Oftentimes we don't do that, though. 
We wake up, we roll out of bed, we hit the shower because that was that little grooming time that we talk about because I got to get to work because I have some reports on my desk. I got to get them because I'm trying to take Friday off because Friday we're going out of town and we're going to go on vacation. And so I got to do this and we wake up and we just leave God just like, like, like I used to have this image when I was a young Christian about Jesus sitting at the foot of my bed when I woke up just kind of say, good morning. Like, you know, you know it's, it's, it's sadistic, I know. But anyway, and like Jesus kind of does it like this in the morning. Because we hit the snooze bar another 15, 20, 30 minutes. And so it got so bad that we set the alarm for like 4.45 and we ain't got to be to work till 7 because we know we're going to beat the mess out of the snooze bar. And so every, every week it just goes further and further back and to the point where why you even set an alarm? But we need to wake up in the morning and say, God, you're supreme. We need to wake up in the morning and say, God, I'm going to honor you with the first fruit of my lips this morning. God, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to get into your presence this morning. He's understanding that God is in control. Look at verse 2. He says, before the mountains were brought forth or ever have been formed on the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you're a God. Like, God, you are everything, God. You are all in all. And so many of us in our lives, and I'm not throwing stones at you guys because I can throw a stone at the man in the mirror. We wake up and we just get about our day and we forget about God being this great, just this supreme being from beginning to end, everlasting to everlasting. And he's waking up and he's wanting to commune and fellowship with us. The God who hung the stars. The God who created the planets. The God who gave us all breath and life, he's waiting there to spend time with you in the morning. And we just wake up and we just get about our day. And then Moses gets to the place. And he realizes how small he is in the sight of things how small we all are in the sight of things. First, you have to posture yourself to realize how big God is. And then you have to get to a place and spend, like, you can't see how big God is and not realize how small you are. And how small and insignificant the things that you want to do today above the things that God wants you to do today are. Because the challenge is, is we think the stuff that God wants us to do is less important than the stuff that we need to do. Did anybody catch that? I, we talked about this transaction the other week when we have kids. When you come home and you've told your kid, your child, to do something, and they didn't quite get around to doing what they want, you wanted them to do because, like, talking on the phone was more important or watching the TV show was more important or, or playing the video game was more important. He's like, no, you don't understand. Like, the trash is piling up. Like, it's falling out of the trash bin onto the floor, and we're going to get roaches, and you don't want roaches, and, you know, we talk about that because then I'm going to pay this for the exterminator. And so why don't you just go do what you want to do? No, 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 but, but, like, 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 I couldn't pause the game. And we get on our kids about that. We do. We get on our kids royally about that. But what would God say in heaven as he looks at our daily activities? Like, okay, okay, you know, prayer is important. I, I, we, we need to talk because there's some stuff going on in your life. There's some stuff going on in your heart. And I see some stuff coming your way. And you need to pray against the stuff that's coming your way. So you just need to sit here and pray. It's like, yeah, 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 God, I'll deal with it when I, get, when, when I deal with it. Because we want God to be that rescuing God, and we're used to him being that rescuing God. And then sometimes God leaves us in that situation that we're trying to get rescued out of because he's trying to teach us that he should be preeminent in our lives. 
So then Moses recognizes how small he was in comparison to God. He recognizes how big and how majestic God is. He realizes how small <clears throat> he is in comparison to God. He says, you sweep, you sweep them away with the flood. They are like a dream. <laughs> Your life is just like a dream. He talks about how all our days pass away under his wrath. Our lives are 70, maybe 80. He says, and every day of it is just trouble. Our lives are filled with just turmoil and chaos. We expect him to live this life. And I don't know where this gospel came from. I don't know where this understanding came from, that we're supposed to be uh, belong to Jesus, and we're supposed to just skip through medals with Jesus, just skip through medals with Jesus, like just holding hands, and everything is going to be hunky-dory, and we're not supposed to go into any trials. We're not supposed to be in any tribulations. We're not supposed to anything that's not supposed to happen, because I'm a Christian, and if you believe, nothing bad happens, right? I just watched some stuff on the Internet about this, 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 these recording artists that were the, the seemingly devout Christians and wrote wonderful songs and we used to sing the songs in church and now they're atheists because and then when they're telling why they're atheists now is because their relationship with God was transactional. If you do this, then God is good. And if you don't if God doesn't do this, then you're no longer good, God, and maybe you're not even there anymore. And most of the people who sit butts in seats on Sunday mornings are functional atheists, even though they believe in Christ. Your life is no different than a person who doesn't believe. I say ouch to myself this morning. And so in light of all that, then Moses says, so teach me to number my days. Teach me to walk after you. Just what we talked about last week when we talked about uh, the spiritual disciplines. Like, like, God, teach me how to walk and navigate this life in the parameters and the span of this life so that I can get the most out of this life that you have given me. Because I'm going to stand before you, God. I'm going to stand before you, God, and you're going to judge every idle word. You're going to speak about everything that I did and did not do. And because of grace, because of your mercy, because of the blood, I still get to spend eternity in heaven with you. But it's not going to be a happy, joyous occasion for a lot of us. That's why the Bible says that God's going to wipe every tear away. Because I think we're going to be boohooing. I think we're going to be doing snot jerking tear and crying. When we realize what God wanted for us, what God had in store for us, and we just had better things to do. I have alternatives, God, and I know I'm going to heaven, so. <laughs> you know what I think? Okay, I'm going off the script now. I've got a few more minutes. Listen, this is why I get myself in trouble. You know what I think? I think if God were to give us a glimpse of what somebody else was getting in heaven, it would motivate us. If I saw the stuff that Dean was getting, the rewards Dean was getting, oh, I'm going to do better because I can't let Dean not do me in heaven. You can't be having no mansion bigger than mine. It's all God's mansion anyway, but you, live, you, you know what I'm talking about. Right? So we're just not motivated to do the things of God because it's just, it's, we, we don't think that following God, serving God, spending time with God even pays off. 
And so what, so here's the issue. Here's the issue. You're not lazy. You don't need deliverance. You just don't have a big enough image of God in your mind. You just don't see God as big enough. And so we've, we've accumulated all these other gods unto us. And my voice is going to be gone in about 30 minutes, but it's okay. You need to hear this. My car becomes my God. My house becomes my God. My job becomes my God. My status becomes my job. My reputation becomes my God. And they become bigger than the God, the God, the Alpha and Omega. It becomes bigger than God in our lives. And Moses is saying, listen, if you get a right perspective, you'll be saying, Lord, teach me the number of my days. And not just the number of my days because like, I'm running out of days, but if I do that, I will gain a heart of wisdom. I will be able to understand how you want me to function if I would just learn to sit down and number my days. How many people have a Google calendar that you just got and, you, and, and every year at January, you start going, okay, at this time, I'm going to start waking up earlier. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing this. And by January 2nd, it all fell apart. You start rearranging, you know, that, that, that was 6.30. <laughs> Ain't nobody be waking up at no 6.30. Ain't nobody got time for all that. Because we know this new year is coming. We're going to get it right this year. And, and, and Listen, 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 honey. Linda, listen. There's something inside of you prompting you to be able to number your days. Not count down your days, but say, okay, God. I'm going to give you first priority. That's what Moses said. He said, when I want you to do the first, the first thing. You're preeminent, God, and I'm insignificant. So I have to ask, how small are you in the scheme of things? How small is your agenda in the scheme of things? Because once you get a right standing and a right understanding of God, listen, if you think you still built, if you still too big for your britches, you ain't seen God right yet. And I'll start saying, and once you really see God, then you start seeing how insignificant and small you really are. And you start understanding, God, without you, I am nothing. I am as nothing. God, like I'm really begging for my daily bread. I really need you in my life. Like, and then that gets us into this posture of prayer. My biggest problem is I, I can do some stuff. I got skills, sister. I got skills. I need some money. I can go out. I can, Fred, I can go out. I, I can go and do what I, 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 I got make a couple of moves. And I got it. But that's not what God wants us to be. Find me in the Bible where it says God wants you to be independent. No, I want you to be dependent. And we think dependent is like, uh, ugh, it's a bad word. Blah. And so we just, we, 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 Gail, we, we live in sacrifice, but we crawl off the altar. We crawl off the altar. And then once he realized how small he was, he realized how much he needed God. God, I need you. Teach me the number of my days. Look at this, the last part of it, and we'll close it. In a minute. It says, return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in, your, in the morning with your steadfast love. God, I need you. 
You are my source. There's no satisfaction out there. God, satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love. God, this other stuff is not satisfactory. It's not. Early in the morning when I wake up and praise you, God, and I need to be satisfied in you. This other stuff doesn't matter. He's understanding his dependence upon God. He's understanding that he's wired to get it from God. That we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Wondering why you make up with a stanky face like you've been sucking on lemons? Maybe you ain't been understanding some things. Yep, that's what it say. Satisfied. We may rejoice and be glad in our days. It says, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as you have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Who wakes up like that? Who prays to God like that in the morning? Not many. Not many. God, if when we do pray, man, let the day go the way it means. God, let the traffic be not the traffic. God, touch these kids and let them get out of bed because you know these kids be tripping. And I ain't got time for this this morning. They're going to make me lose my last. And as soon as you say that, God's going to say, okay, they're not going to wake up. They're going to be harder. To, yeah, yeah, you, if, if, if that's all it takes, hmm. He gives them a deeper sleep so that you can grow. It says, let the favor of our Lord be good upon us and establish the work of your hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of my hand. Is that what it says? Establish the work of your hand. Listen, God is getting us to a place, church, and this is my closing moment for real now. God is getting us to a place where he wants us to understand that it's his work that's important. Not the people who write your write, write, write their name on the top of your check. Not the place that you volunteer and do great with. No, no. If it's not God's work, then it's not the work that you should be applying yourself to. And that's just a simple fact. And we ain't got all day to get it right. Because I didn't even put up there the days that you're sick. I didn't put up there anything about kids. and I, like, It was just, listen, we don't have time, church, to keep on playing. We can learn from a 13-year-old Jesus. in the temple when his parents were looking for him. Did you not know I was supposed to be about my father's business? You were trying to keep up with the caravan. You were trying to, listen, you, you were on a time, but I had to be about my father's business. So I challenge us this morning. challenges this morning. I'm going to have Jazz come and lead us in a song of worship.
But what I want you guys to do is I want you for the next few moments, think about those things that are just sucking all of your time. Think about those things that you've placed as a higher priority above God. Think about those things that are hindering you. Think about those roadblocks. And I want you to lay them before God and his feet this morning. Dare I say some of those things may even be strongholds. And so I want you to say, God, here it is. Present it to him. Give it to him. And if you don't have the strength or the courage to give it to him, say, God, I pray that you give me the strength or the courage to give it to you. God, because it can't be highest priority in my life anymore. God is waiting on you. He's waiting on you. He has, his arms are open just like this. Just give it to me, child. And I guarantee you, what, you, what you're holding on to is really not that important in the scheme of things. And so for the next few moments, let's reflect on that thing. Reflect on that thing. And allow God to speak to your heart about what's really important. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of God. There is power.
beautiful thing about God's love. When we're convicted about the things that we haven't done right, he reminds us that he sent his son to do it perfectly. And if we commit ourselves, we commit our lives unto him, he takes his son's life and he he substitutes it with our life. And so now we stand before the God, the God of uh, all ages, the God of creation, whole. 
And so what we feel is that sanctification. He's calling us higher, but he doesn't look at us like he wants to beat us down. He doesn't want to just hit us over the head with a stick and tell us that we're not worthy. His love chases us. It calls us. And it lets us know that he's a good, good father. And that he will move heaven and hell in order to restore us back to fellowship with him. That's the beauty of the gospel. That is not earned. There's nothing I can do to deserve it. It's all about his grace. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.